This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I have the mindset entrepreneur, a guy who I look up to, who actually changed my life during the pandemic by expanding the limitations that I was putting on myself. Colin O'Brady, he is a 10-time, that's right, 10-time world record-breaking explorer, New York Times bestseller, and he just launched a book this month in August. Uh, the book is incredible. It will change your life. We were just talking about one of my, Colin, objectives and welcome to the playbook is to be included in somebody else's book. <laughs> so like someday, I'm telling you, your book, and I'm gonna get this right here, the 12-hour walk will be included, not just in some of my future books, but also in many, many books to come, just like someone, Steve Covey, that we both have uh, grown with and improved upon. Um, how important, just to start off, Colin, is the past? You know, when we're looking at a mindset, defining moment, moments and inflection points, how important is the relativity or meaning that we give to those defined moments in your past or mine to the future? You know, I think it's huge. I think our, our past define us in some way, although I don't want to be held back by that. You don't want to be only defined by the past. But certainly there's been some huge influential moments, you know, in my career. Uh, I know I know for you, incredible entrepreneur, but you've had your ups and downs, right? You've lost it all. They've things have, it all. Things have been challenged. <laughs> you know, I sit here humbly with 10 world records that I set on, on these two legs. But 15 years ago, I was severely burned in a fire in Thailand. I spent uh, several months in a Thai hospital and the doctors told me, hey, you may never walk again normally. And so, you know, recovering from those low moments, those depths of despair. But in that moment, it was about a mindset shift, a mindset that I actually call the possible mindset. I write about it in my book, The 12 Hour Walk. It's one of the core concepts. And I define that a possible mindset is an empowered way of thinking that unlocks a life of limitless possibilities. It's in those low moments. It's in those depths of despair. As an entrepreneur, as a business person, when you're working through those challenges, you're going, hey, this might suck right now, but it actually might be the thing that teaches me the greatest lesson that launches me into the next amazing chapter of my life. And that's been true through many of my hardships. And in your book, 12 Hour Walk, you deal with an issue that I try to teach people, which is the reconciliation of today, of taking a 12 hour walk today, and how it changes not only the meaning of the past, the inflection points and defined moments, like burning yourself almost to death, that's pretty defining, just like losing over $100 million. These are extraordinary defining moments. But this reconciliation of, okay, what I do today is limited by 24 hours. Yep. And you're going to use 12 of them to walk. But more importantly, how is that relative to defining an infinite future? And how do we reconcile the construct of man-made time with the unlimited infinite future that is our possibility? Yeah. So, you know, the entire premise of the book is about overcoming limiting beliefs, right? Like, uh, I, I break it down into the 10 most common limiting beliefs I hear from people all the time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. What if I fail? What if people criticize me, right? I'm, I don't like being uncomfortable. We all know these interior thoughts. And the book, it's edge of your seat adventure stories. It's me walking across Antarctica alone. It's me climbing Everest twice. It's rowing a boat across Drake Passage. So it'll entertain the hell out of you at the same time. But it's delivering life lessons about how we can shift that mindset. 
but by not just reading it on the page or taking my word for it, but for you actually acting on your own. Well, we can talk about the origin story, but at its core, it's an invitation for people to take a 12 hour walk of their own. So that's to literally walk out your front door, put your phone in airplane mode and walk for 12 hours. Now you can take as many breaks as you want. You know, it doesn't matter if you go for one mile or 50, this is not a race. This meets you right where you're at but it's actually by doing something. The visceral felt lessons in that walk. Will your feet get tired on hour three? Probably. Are you gonna be a little bit alone because you know, you've met, you're used to a podcast or music or being able to look at your phone and be distracted? Yes, but that discomfort is defining as you move through it, as you find flow, as you find clarity. Every person I have known who have gotten back to their front door after this 12 hour walk has been fundamentally shifted or changed. And your question is about how can this one moment be a defining moment and have a ripple effect moving forward? forward. Of the thousands of people that have done the 12 hour walk already, the book's only been out a couple weeks. My goal is to inspire 10 million people to do this. Over. Don't do, don't limit yourself. Yeah, more than 10 oh, million exactly. people to do this. Come on, Colin. That's right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> is for that exact reason. It's just, it's the, the, the subtitle says it best. It says invest one day, conquer your mind and unlock your best life. Meaning you take on this action, you take on this challenge and the lessons you will learn that are deep and rich because of taking this step outside of your comfort zone have a ripple effect all throughout. Just like these singular defining moments, these peak arcs in our life can have huge, huge, huge long-standing impact. And the impact is to the level of what I call intention. A lot of people write books like Covey of what to pay attention to creating efficiencies, effectiveness, obviously, and statistical success in what we pay attention to. Your book to me is about intention because that's where limitations lie. People limit their intention of what they can do. Most people look at that book and go, I can't walk 12, 12 hours, Yeah. right? Two, what they say. Mm -hmm. Oh, I shouldn't say that. People think I'm stupid. I shouldn't ask that question. They're gonna think this. I shouldn't ask for help. Then also, not just what we do say, but what we think. Right, and that's part of the 12 hours. Yep. But then there's two core ones that are energetic and genetically inherited. Our beliefs, right, very yeah. limiting. And then most people don't get to this level until you know they get exposed to your book is, how do we limit ourselves with what we feel? Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to outlogic yourself. I'm not afraid of that. But then you get in this situation and you're like, I can't do it. You, you actually feel like, you, you have to quit walking or have to quit running or reverse back down the mountain or yep. all the things you do. We have these five levels of intention. Talk me through the five levels of how you've experienced the limitations in the extraordinary world record you hold and just extraordinary things you do every day. Yeah, look, you know, I, I could easily, my, my first book called The Impossible First, New York Times bestseller is about my solo crossing of Antarctica. Very proud of it, very proud of the memoir. Um, you know, it's been well received. This book, it brings you through adventure stories, but this is not a highlight reel of my life. This is not like, oh, and then I did another record and look how awesome I am. The book itself is actually bringing me into what you're saying is me struggling with these same limiting beliefs that we all struggle through. So for example, the first day I got dropped off in Antarctica, told the New York times. I'm going to cross Antarctica. No one in history's ever done it. It's going to be amazing. It turns into this race, which is a whole other story. But I get there. I have 375 pound sled. I start trying to pull my sled. In hour one, day one, I can't move my sled. I have a thousand more miles to go. I've told everyone I'm going to do this thing. One hour in, I start crying. And what starts happening when you start crying and there's uh, you're in Antarctica and it's minus four degrees? Well, the tears, they freeze to your yeah, face. Yeah. So that's like the all time most pathetic feeling ever. Again, I mean, I go on and on. I've written a whole book about it. But the, the point is, is that 
we all struggle with these challenges, right? With these limitations, with these limiting beliefs. But what I've found is I've somewhat started to think about life on a scale of one to 10. Now, I love this, this Thoreau quote that says, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. It's depressing, but some, it's sadly true. And I think about life on a scale of one to 10, you know, 10 being our peak moments. It's falling in love. It's having incredible sex. It's the day your first child was born. It's walking across Antarctica and setting a world record for me, right? And the ones are the low, low moments, these depths of despair. So being burned in a, you know, a fire, losing a hundred million dollars in business or whatever, you know, you know, COVID locking you in your house. You mean these dark moments that we find in life, they're going to happen. But every time I look at my tens, the high highs, I realized that they didn't come in spite of my ones, not because of hedging against the ones, but actually because of embracing the ones, by actually getting through those difficult, challenging times. But here's the thing, to your question about that frame on limitations is, I think most people live afraid or they logic themselves out of not taking action. So what ends up happening is they end up living in this zone of comfortable complacency, the zone between four and six. Like you go to work, a job you don't love, whatever, it's fine. It's a five every day. You drive to work, another five, another five. Or you're in a relationship, like it's not great. It's not toxic. It's not abusive, but it's just a five. And you string together 365 fives in a row. Your life is just kind of like, eh, it's fine. Like whatever because you're so afraid of experiencing the ones, because you're so afraid of having a little bit of discomfort. But when you have that discomfort and that challenge, it actually opens up and it invites those tens. And so this 12 hour walk, oh, I can't do that, or I get too tired, I wouldn't wanna do this. The 12 hour walk, the actual exercise, the call to action of the 12 hour walk is a simulation of getting outside of your comfort zone to do something that you've probably never done before, be alone in your thoughts for a day. But by proving yourself that you can do that, by embracing maybe an hour or five, your feet are tired and it's a two or a three. I've never known someone to get back to their door and not be like, that's an eight, that's a nine, that's a 10. It wasn't a five. Imagine how many days we go through. What'd you do last Tuesday? What'd you do a month ago? People don't even remember what they do day to day. I, you do this 12 hour walk, this imprints that ripple effect on you. And I ask you about it from five years from now, you're going to remember the impact that it had and what it left. And it's so important in two levels you know, when I started thinking about your book and asking myself, you know, what would you be afraid of if, you know, and when I do it, I should say, you know, what's my greatest fear of it? I'm sure some people it's the phys physical side. I don't yeah. want that. That's not for me, right? It, that's easy for me, but it's no music, no, no stimuli at all. Right. I meditate 20 minutes a day. Yeah. And, the greatest fear, and I think I learned before I even read the book more about the book and me by my greatest fear of why I would resist doing that. And I think it's interesting for someone like you that has overachieved, that live their life in the learning zone, know the line between learning zone and anxiety zone, mm -hmm. and able to step back into the learning zone when you get to that anxiety zone, that we still, no matter how much we do say, think, believe, and feel, beyond the extraordinary, or I call the empty mile, we're still afraid. Yeah. Everything, and you know, I, first question I asked you off camera was, all right, what's the next thing? You're like, I don't have it yet. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you decide on what that next thing is, will there still be fear for you? And what mechanism or modality do you use when you have that initial resistance going, dude, I can't, fly, you know, with wings yeah. around the world, whatever <laughs> stupid shit you're going to do. But what, what's going to be that, you know, fe fear process of 
okay, I'm in the anxiety zone. How do I get back into the learning zone so I can do, say, think, feel, and believe I can do this? A hundred percent. Look, I, you know, I, I say I don't have my next expedition or my next big project. It's not on the calendar. I always have a laundry list. I also love to ask people, what's your Everest? I get not everyone wants to freeze their butt off and walk across Antarctica <laughs> alone or climb Mount Everest, but I think we all have hopes, goals, dreams, and aspirations that are big mountaintops, big challenges. But sometimes we just dare to dream that great. Oh, I should dream a little bit smaller. Oh, you know, that's not for me. That's for someone else on television or something like that. No, what is your Everest? It could be anything, making millions of dollars, impacting millions of lives, um, you know, music, art, entrepreneurship, culture, love, it doesn't matter, right? But for me, I I'll tell you a story. So I rode a boat across Drake Passage, which is the most dangerous stretch of ocean in the entire world. No one had ever done it. 750 miles between the southern tip of South America and Antarctica in a rowboat. That's like two feet off the ground, open hole, freezing cold ocean, me and a, me and a handful of my buddies, and no motor, no sail, 40 foot swells, icebergs. I mean, the most gritty, crazy expedition, um, very on the edge uh, of possible kind of thing. A cruise ship sunk in the Drake Passage not so long ago in modern times. So that gives you a sense of how, how crazy <laughs> this place is to be in a rowboat. If you wanna see it, there's a Discovery Channel documentary called The Impossible Row all about it. But what people don't realize when they hear that I did that, like, oh great, Colin the adventure guy, this badass adventure guy who does all this stuff. Three months before that, I pitched Discovery on filming this. They sign off on the, you know, multi-million dollar feature documentary. I'm grateful for their support, you know, to support it, whatever. And I said, hey guys, just one other thing. Um, I've actually never rode a boat anywhere, ever. Uh, not at summer camp, not at college, not at like, you know, the, some mountain lakes somewhere in my childhood. I have never rode a boat, but I have set the goal, not just set the goal in my mind, but so much so that I've gone out to the marketplace and said, I am going to do this later this year. And there was a moment of like anxiety in me, that anxiety versus the anxiety zone with the fears or the learning zone. But I said like, but I'm not a rower yet, yet, right? You add that word yet to the end of that sentence. Like, great, I'm not a rower yet. And I break this down in the 12 hour walk. I tell this story of literally getting in a rowboat three months before I'm gonna go across the most dangerous ocean stretch in the world. And I fall flat on my face in six inches of water in the Willamette River in Portland, Oregon, learning how to take my first couple strokes. But I didn't quit then. Just like a one-year-old baby, when they're learning how to walk, falls thousands and thousands of times, right? To learn how to walk. But as adults, for whatever reason, we fail at something where we say, oh, I'm not this, I'm not that. We define ourselves by what we're not. We don't add that word, I'm not this yet. I love to say like, Look, we look at Stephen King, 64 of the you know, greatest, most famous novels of all time. Like that dude at some point sat down and wrote his first paragraph of his first book, right? Kobe Bryant dribbled a basketball into a court at some point and took his first jump shot. Like we see people in their finished product in, on television, in film, in pop culture, whatever, but fail to our brain for whatever reason goes like, oh, that person was also a novice or a beginner too. Therefore me at any phase of my life, I can become a winner. And so bringing that full circle, how does that connect to the 12 hour walk? Well, look, you might not have ever walked that far, or you probably have never been alone with your thoughts for that long. And so you can say, you can easily say to yourself, well, I'm not someone who would ever do the 12 hour walk. That's not my kind of thing. But if you fight back against that limiting belief, commit to the 12 hour walk, it's completely free to do. It's out your front door. You can sign up for it on 12hourwalk.com, my website. Like there's nothing like holding like, oh, I have to fly to this amazing right, right, church. Right. Like literally out your front, front door, door, anywhere. <laughs> gotta get out the front door That's though. it, that's <laughs> it. That's the thing you gotta do. Um, and it's built to be that accessible. 
But to say like on the other side of that, when you're limiting beliefs said to yourself, I'm not a blank, I'm not a walker, I'm not someone who can spend a day alone, whatever, but you prove to yourself you can, all of a sudden you've recalibrated your brain the next time that that anxiety zone, that fear of, oh, I'm not this, I'm not this, I can't ever do this. You go, wait, last time I had that thought, I actually did go do the thing and I now am a 12 hour walk finisher. So can I now be an entrepreneur? Can I now be a marathon runner? Can I now climb whatever Mount Everest that I'm mount to, meant to climb? Can I row a boat across Drake Passage? <laughs> it's amazing now, last question because there is genetic limitations. So you see me now in person for the first time and no matter how much I wanted to dream about beating LeBron James one-on-one, -on -one, maybe not in this lifetime, and I believe in multiple lifetimes, so I'm okay pursuing that in this lifetime, but a lot of the things you pursue, you could die. Yeah. Um, and there are genetic uh, limitations that we have, you know, especially if you give yourself a three-month time frame mm -hmm. to say yet, right? Because that yeah. creates resistance sure. as well. So how do you prioritize and this is for everyone out there because I think it's important, right? Yeah. You, okay, I'm, go, I'm doing the 12 hour walk because you nailed my thing when I first heard about it. Uh, that's not my thing, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna be alone with this craziness for 12 hours. And now you've shifted my paradigm and perspective. Do I have to do it? Yeah. Because it. I, I know my genetic limitations aren't even close, right? This is gonna be super beneficial, but I look at rowing you know, through the Drake Passage, I'm afraid of my genetics is not gonna allow me to live through that. Yeah, no. How do you prioritize when you're looking at, you know, that type of evaluation? Well, that's a fair question. Uh, David and I have been friends for a long time. We've actually never met in person until yeah, today. So he's, he's a lot tired, he's a lot taller than I expected. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I think he could take LeBron James in a one-on-one. -on -one. Don't, don't let him fool you, man. He's, Thank you. This guy's dunking a basketball we in the hallway. We were born in the same hospital, so there could be something. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he actually dunked a basketball on the way to this podcast. Dave, David's, a, David's a pretty amazing basketball player. So no, hype, hype train right here. Thank no, you. Um, it's a great question. Look, and I, and I address it in the book, and this is why I say the 12-hour walk is for anyone. It meets you where you're at. I literally say, I don't care if you go for one mile. I don't care if you go for 50 miles. My 77-year-old mother-in-law has done the 12-hour walk. The way she did it is she walked one time around her block, sat quietly on her front porch for an hour resting, and then took another walk around her block. Probably went a mile total in the entire thing. She's 77 years old. My ultra marathon friend went 50 miles, you know, fit, crazy, you know, basically running, you know, type of thing. And he did it in silence and stillness. Both of them completed the 12-hour walk in exactly the right way. Not one of their walk was better or worse than the other, which means it's meeting you right where you're at. Now your point about physical limitations beyond the scope of the 12 hour walk is to say like, sure, like, you know, you're probably not gonna play in the NBA at this phase of your life, like yeah. I get that. But you can aspire to be the best version of yourself, right? You can aspire to be stronger, faster, fitter, healthier, smarter, whatever that is, you know, in any kind of moment. It's about growth, right? It's about saying, I am this person in this moment, but I can be and become anything that I want to, you know, 
over a duration of time. And so to me, that's the way when I think about the possible mindset and unlocking limitless possibilities in people's life. Well, I wish I could just jump out of the suite and fly down to the 50 yard line right now. Let's you know, do it. <laughs> <laughs> might need a wingsuit or something like that yeah. or a parachute. Um, there's of course, you know, there's physics and genetic limitations, but I do think in our minds, we are so powerful beyond measure that getting caught up on those little things is not as productive as actually saying like, wait, but what is possible? What can I do today, tomorrow to take one step in the direction of growth. And Colin Brady encompasses the definition of happiness, which is to enjoy, and I stress to enjoy, the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of his own potential. Not what other people think, not what he doesn't want, not what's missing or what he's afraid of, but his own potential. And I think that's the greatest lesson of the 12 hour walk, which is something I can't wait to do and to give you back my feedback on what I learned about living with myself in stillness and peace for 12 hours. Uh, because one of the things that really now excites me about the 12 hour walk is I can't remember the last time that I've been with myself, myself alone for 12 hours, let alone incorporating movement, uh, not painstaking, freezing or burning or drowning uh, physicality, which I don't mind pushing myself, but as Colin O'Brady uh, knows and Jesse Itzler, uh, they were running a mile each day and adding a mile each day. I was running a yard each day, <laughs> all for charity, by the way. We you know, all raise money, but, right. I, but like he said, I did it at my own genetic uh, capacity and ended up being, believe it or not, one of the greatest bonding experiences with my then nine-year-old son who still talks about Hey, remember when we ran one yard, then two yards? It was during the pandemic. So I want to thank you for one of the greatest bonding moments uh, of one of the most non-negotiable priorities in my life, which is my relationship uh, with my children. And I think you're going to find a lot of things you never thought you would find when you do the 12-hour walk. And I really look forward to it. If you haven't bought, bought it, found it yet, you got to go. It's everywhere. Audiobook. Of course, New York Times best-selling author, entrepreneur, uh, adventure world record holder, Colin O'Brady. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.